Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. This is part two with Karen Culbertson. Um, Karen is the wife of my pastor, raised Christian. My pastor was once Mormon and is now Christian. And she's talking about their early years. One is a Mormon, one is a Christian. And they've just had their first child seven years into their marriage. (laughs) And they're dealing with what in the world do we do about spirituality and religion and teaching our kids values Whose values, yours or mine, and how's that going to work? Yeah, it's funny. Karen, to, uh, it's funny. Yes, to you, seven years in the in the end that we had a baby because that was very much to Brian's mom's disappointment. What <laughs> that you hadn't had a baby in seven years? Right. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. every good Mormon needs to have one right away. Yeah, or two or three or seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> saying can't wait till you're financially stable to have a baby, and I'm thinking, why not? That sounds like an actually pretty good idea to me. <laughs> So it was, it was different. That was funny. Okay. Well, so when uh, well, I would say there there are certain things that need to keep you Mormon, right? Like you got your under your parents and your church's um, wings. You graduate from high school. You go on a mission, and then at the end of your mission, your mission president calls you in and says, "Go home and get married in the temple right away, and then start having children right away." And when you do those things, they keep you Mormon, right? If you marry in the temple, right. it means you have to marry Mormon. That Mormon's going to be worthy enough to have a temple recommend. And so, even if you're questioning your faith, that person then is going to shake their finger at you, right? So these are all, I think, very deliberate steps in order to keep someone within the religion. Hmm. Right. And and all those are like rites of passage and they're all very mm-hmm. defining. So they define you as a faithful Mormon person. And to not do any of those is to immediately call your own faithfulness, your worthiness, your future potential into question, which is why I can understand very much why Brian's parents would have struggled with every time he failed at one of those markers, he failed to move in that direction they can see the distance growing and to them, they know that this could possibly be, could result in his leaving uh, Mormonism. In a Mormon family, right? The priesthood holder is the one who needs to be setting the standards for all those things. Right. And that's the male. The male is always the priesthood holder. Yes. He keeps everything moving the way it's supposed to go. So when we ended last time, Karen, you were saying that um, you'd been married for seven years. You now have a daughter, if I remember mm-hmm. right. And you guys decide to up and move to Florida. Mm-hmm. And once you're there, you decide, okay, well, you decide we are going to find a church. Mm-hmm. And yes. we are going to start attending. And even if it's just to get an hour's worth of childcare free once a week, let's do that. And Brian must have thought that was an okay idea. Because did he fight you much on that? So go ahead and pick up with your story there. And what starts to happen there in terms of both of your faith's journey Yeah. Um, No, he didn't fight me at all in that um, wanting to go to church. I think he thought, well, it's a good place. You know, there's going to have good values. And that's we want to have our daughter to have good values. So he didn't fight me on wanting to go to church. 
And I kind of grew up in a, a Baptist kind of church. So okay. yep. I said, we won't go to a Baptist church. We won't go to a Mormon church. We'll just something else. So we, we ended up going to just a Christian church. Um, and it was actually very different from even my upbringing um, in the church. The pastor was very, um, it, it was just so much different. It was, the singing was different. You didn't sing hymns. There wasn't an altar call at the end of every church service. It was more like, you know, he gave up or he got up. He would um, kind of topical, talk about something um, that had a good message and um, bring it all together that focused on your life, your daily life. So it was very much different. And it was okay. Very much what I think Brian needed in that season as well. So and he was going with you. Oh yes, he was going with me. That and at a so on a scale of one to ten, how comfortable is he in this? Because that sounds very different. Because LDS services traditionally are very calm, very hymn oriented, very not ritualistic in terms of like they aren't liturgical. But yes, they are very. There's a sameness to them. So what's his comfort level as he goes into this? It's interesting because I think we were both uncomfortable because it was so much different, but we liked the message so much. It was so, um, it was just so applicable to our life. And that, that was new to me as well. You know, usually it was just, you know, someone preaching through the Bible and not much applicable to my daily life. Right. Well, I had, I had a professor in seminary who used to say, it's very unfortunate when 90% of our sermons either end with pray more, go to church more, read your Bible more, or give more. And yes. that's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's so much more to life than those. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, so, you know, he, he told me, he was like, this isn't terrible. This guy's not a bad speaker. We'll just keep going, you know? Okay. Those those suggestions you just made, though, those directives, Joel, come right out of Mormonism, right out of legalism, right? So right. if you have any kind of an issue or you go to your bishop for sin or whatever, typically the answer is go to the temple more, pray more, read your Book of Mormon. And that that's it. That's what they got. You know, yeah. they're not trained counselors like you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that's. Yeah, that's that's hard. And I think for him, it was and a lot of this stuff is interesting. I didn't know a lot of the stuff that was going on in his head when it was going on in his head. I learned about everything after the fact. Okay. So he kind of told me at the time, he said, I've never heard a message that wasn't do more, try harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was more about you can't do more. You can't try harder. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. You have to have the grace of Jesus. And this concept to him was just like mind blown. So that was the message that kept drawing him back and getting him curious about what it was about. Because I, what we hear over and over, the initial response of very many people in a performance-based religion, whether it's Mormonism or not, any performance-based religion, when they hear grace, it's like, that's too easy. That's too cheap. That's not. And so is this what he's kind of experiencing then? I think initially, yes, okay. it, it was. It's like, well, surely I can do something. And then I think at some point in your life, when you finally recognize what a wretch you are, that you cannot mm-hmm. do anything, you don't notice. And and like the thing with the, the behavior performance churches is it's typically about what other people see and not about the condition of the heart. Right. So, 
I think it's like, yeah, he got the concept of I can be faithful to my wife. I can, you know, all the things that everybody else sees, but inside me, the thoughts that I have, the things that I think, the motives of why I'm doing everything, they're terrible. And I can't behave my way out of those things. Yes, so true. Thank so you for explaining that. Because I was just going to say, for the Mormons listening, they won't have any idea even what you're talking about. So that's huge. So in Christianity, we talk about the condition of the heart and right. then appearance, right? And in Mormonism, things are all about appearance. Appearance has to look good. And it doesn't matter what you're feeling inside. You just do it, do it, do it until maybe the inside catches up with the outside. Yeah. Christianity, very different than that. So you yes. might explain how how that's different. And the thing is, is you don't even recognize that what you just said there is pride and pride is sin. Thinking that you can behave your way to a certain thing and thinking that you're good enough, smart enough, have the best connections is pride. And pride is a sin. Pride cometh before a fall. You know, it's like how many verses are there in scripture about right. pride? And, <laughs> and, and yet, so performance-based religion um, breeds pride because you have all these rules Everyone knows what they are. You can see from the behavior who's doing them and who's not. You're continually measuring this person against yourself, you against Just the sin. rules. <laughs> yeah, which is sin. I mean, comparison is sin. That is, you know, coveting. That's all of that stuff. Oh, well, right. this person. It's jealousy. If, you're, if someone jealousy. else is doing better than you. Yes. Yeah, that is sin. And I think a lot of times in performance-based religion, again, it's just about what other people see and not about, you know, it's like what I'll tell people that think, oh yeah, I don't have any sin in their life. Okay. If I could display what your thoughts are on a big screen for everyone to see in the next day, how would you like that? You know? Right. That's the condition of your heart. So then what is this Amen. doing? What is this doing to your heart? And what is this doing to Brian's heart? This exposure to grace, this exposure to biblical truth, this exposure of your heart. What's take us a little bit on your journey then, because you're coming back from years. It, mm -hmm. If if I do the math right. Yeah. Seven, and I'm eight. curious about what's not just going on at church at Sunday, but right. What's in your heart, in home if you're the in the word, yeah. if you're praying. Yeah. You know, it's funny because honestly, during this time, if I'm being honest, it was more a behavior thing for me at the time. Um, I just wanted to get my daughter into church. I wanted to get back in that habit. I miss the culture. I miss the community. Honestly, at that time, I don't think I was truly seeking that relationship with Jesus. I was truly seeking something completely different. My motives were not pure for wanting to go back to church. If I'm just being honest in that sure. situation. No. So that's kind of where I was. And in this, you know, it was like, we were just kind of going, 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 and I'm listening and I'm like, yeah, I like the messages. And we would talk about them. But again, I'm still in the mindset of he doesn't really believe this. He's just doing this because I want to do it. He still believes in Mormonism. He wasn't talking to me about the stuff that was happening. All this stuff is after the fact. Right. I had no idea what was going on. And I asked him about that the other day. Why didn't you tell me? And he said, I, you know, I just didn't want to get your hopes up. That okay. So is this grieving happening. your heart then as you're thinking these things? Is this grieving you that, wow, my husband's kind of going through the motions, but any hope of us really being 
unified at that soul and spirit level still doesn't look very promising? I think I tried not to think about it so much. So it was just denial. Um, Other things are more important. We still had our company. We still had our business. We were focused. I focused on that. You've got your daughter. I use denial big time. (laughs) It's a really effective tool, actually. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It can take you a long way. It can. can. But I can remember after we'd been going there, I think our daughter was like two. He, they had this cool mission trip to Africa and he was like, I'm going on that. I'm like, that is the most bizarre thing ever. All right, cool. Have fun. I'm like, God, is this you? Are you working? That's when I first started to get my hopes up. Why in the world? Because he's going to have to tell his parents he's going on a mission trip with the Christian church. They're not going to be happy about this. Brian still very much protected his parents from the idea that he was going to a Christian church. Because in Mm. his head, I think it's true. It would be preferable for him not to go to church at all than to convert to Christianity. That's true. Mm-hmm. So he very much protected. So when he said he was going, I'm like, wow, this is interesting because we're going to have to tell his parents and they're not going to be happy about this. Right. Because he's going to be gone with his like a two week mission. Yeah. trip, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he went on a mission trip and I'm like, all right. You know, and he sent me some emails and told me about what was happening. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on over there? Um, and I was just praying. And I know my parents were praying. Um during this time. And he came back. And when he got back, um, I don't know if you're familiar with any Christian radio, but here it's way FM. He was like, I got, I got his car and he had way FM on. I'm like, what in, what is going on? (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't want to push it. I'm not going to push it. I said, God, this is yours. I'm, I'm still clinging to that verse. Faith is being sure of what you hope for certain of what you cannot see. If this is yours, make it happen. It's not going to happen by me. I've obviously been ineffective for over 10 years. You can do it. I can't. So I think at that time, Brian really started making use of the internet. And again, I was oblivious to all of this. I had no idea what was really going on. Because you've totally dropped the subject of Mormonism. Not talk about it all. I'm not going to bring it up. It's not helpful in any way whatsoever. It's kind of like with the you know, someone that's in addiction, at some point you have to say, they have to hit rock bottom themselves. They have to figure out what they want. No amount of me pushing is going to make them want it. And Brian had to want it. And I had, which was hard to say, God, you've got this. I, I don't. That's mm-hmm. for a control freak like me. That's hard. And Lynn, wouldn't you say that's the wisest route to take with a spouse is just to not, not hammer on it, not well, even even with people we work with in ministry in the early stages, I used to fire hose them with all this information and open Bible <laughs> and say, don't you see this? You know, and after a while, I realized they have to bring me a question. And if there's something burning in their soul and I can address that, that puts that to rest. And then they come with another question. And that was the only way I saw people make progress. I couldn't force people to make progress, right? Right. It was totally something God was doing internally with them. Same thing with Brian, right? He's figuring this out, but he doesn't want to say anything to you yet because he doesn't know where it's going. He doesn't know where he's going to end. He might be end up back in Mormonism, right? Right. Who knows? At least he's figuring it out. 
Right. And so he didn't really bring me any questions in that he just got all the questions kind of answered for himself. And as he was doing this, I could see him becoming more and more willing to get involved in church. Um, So we started Sunday school classes and he would listen. We would go to social activities and he would listen. And you could slowly just see him becoming more able to receive, you know, just the concept of church in general and wanting to get more involved in church. And I just kind of let him lead, let him, I just followed and went with the flow. It worked. It worked. It was honestly, I think his conversion was as big a surprise to me as it was to anyone else. It was kind of like one day we were in a class and, you know, maybe in a participant Perry group, he's just like, yeah, I, I used to be a Mormon, I think is what he said. And when the words were, I used to be a Mormon came out, I was like, oh, good to know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so wow. About this finally. I think we probably talked about it, I would say probably a year after he came wow. back. I think that's, you know, and it's it's been a while. So I don't remember. It's so funny. I He's been a Christian so long. I don't, it's like this didn't even exist. But yet when I was in it with him and he was a Mormon, like the concept of him being a Christian seems so impossible. impossible right. So bizarre that I can have such two different viewpoints at this point right, right now. Well, they say that a truth about truth is truth always either hardens us to future truth or we're softened. In other words, when we're approached with truth, once we're open to truth, every time we accept the truth, and let it enter us, it actually softens us to more truth. And so you're always moving in one direction or another with truth. You're always either moving more and more deeper into truth and understanding, or you're being hardened to it and moving further and further away from even knowing what the truth is. And so as Brian's opening up his heart to truth, then what you're seeing is this process. Wow. So he opens up a little bit, more truth penetrates, he stays open to that. And it finally leads you right to the feet of the father in repentance and faith. And honestly, at this point, I'm a little bit jealous because I feel like he's had this conversion, beautiful conversion experience. And I'm like, oh, I'm just a church kid that always kind of grew up this way. And he has this passion for Jesus and a relationship with Jesus and just gets the concept of grace and is a student of the Bible. It is it's beautiful. And it's a little bit like, wow. I wish I had that story. That's so cool. (laughs) Was there a time when that began to kick in for you? Well, again, I think someone that's that's raised in the church and doesn't have that big conversion moment, there always is a little bit of the jealousy towards people that accept it a little bit later in life because you don't have, yes, I feel Jesus. Yes, there are moments when I feel that relationship and that connectedness, but I don't have that big conversion, you know, the, the Paul going forward, you know, I didn't go blind and someone cleared my eyes and Jesus spoke to me. That's, so it is a little bit different and it's beautiful. And he, you know, it is a little bit like, wow, that's a really cool story. I wish I had something like that. So, so tell us in the last few minutes about your life now in Christ and um, how your marriage might be different from when it was in the beginning. Yes. How how that relationship with Jesus changes things or enriches things. 
um, the depth of our relationship is so much different. Um, there was, you know, love before we were obviously he's, you know, he'll, he'll laugh. He, you know, when I say, I believe that he was meant for me, I believe that God let me walk this path because he had God, God will make good out of even your bad choices. And I think that, um, this is an example of that. And God chose Brian and picked him beforehand and he wants him as part of the story and being able to be on a team with Brian for Christ is so it's awesome. I don't know how to explain it. We have the same purpose. We have the same goals. We have the same mission and we are constantly on the same page fighting the same battle. And to have someone that has that similar value that, you know, always has your back because they have your same goals. They have your same heart. They have your same long-term vision. It just deepens your relationship. It's not as superficial as before. Um, so that's so cool. And now you two have stepped into ministry together. So Brian <laughs> from went from a Mormon to a strong Christian who was then an elder mm -hmm. in your church, I believe. And then God laid on his heart to step out and start a church himself. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, again, like I say, looking back, I'm like, is this even me? I can't even believe <laughs> this happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we started a church. It's been about four years ago. Brian um, became a Sunday school teacher and it became apparent quickly that he had a gift for teaching. Um, wow. And like I said, he is a student of the Bible. He loves the Bible. Um, and so he just has a gift for teaching. And we definitely were wanting to appeal to a group of people that were kind of like us. We call them the nuns and the duns. So for him, for me, you know, I would call myself a dun because when I went to college, I was kind of like, you know, church people are just hypocrites. And, you know, that value change yeah. I talked about mm -hmm. before. Yeah. Um, I was just like, I am done with the church. I've seen so much hurt and heartache. I just, you know, I don't want to be a part of it. And then the nuns were kind of more like him. Like, I'm not really believing any of this stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's not true. Death is just, or religion is just a coping mechanism for death. And we wanted to create a safe place for people that that's okay. It's okay. If you come in and say, I don't really believe in that Jesus thing. Cool. You don't have to behave to belong. Come on in, belong. We'll become friends. There's no conditions. Yeah, we agree. The church has hurt people. We know we've been done. We can understand that. This is a safe place. You're not alone. So we wanted to create a place for people that was safe for, for people like we used to be. Um, and that's kind of how the refuge started. Okay, I was going to say, so what's the name of your church and where is it? So if we've got people listening, say, <laughs> okay, this is the kind of place I'm looking for. Yeah, we are. It's called Refuge Church and we are located in Fort Myers. Okay, Florida. Yes, Florida. Mm-hmm. So, and the perfect, I mean, the perfect church for me, ministry is really difficult, right? And I, I have some hard times. And so for, and Mike and I have been at two other churches and they were fine with what we did, but didn't really understand it, right? For God to raise up a former Mormon pastor for us in Fort Myers, Florida. And then I spent a lifetime working with kids and gangs and dreads and, um, 
in juvenile and stuff. And then for Brian to focus his church on the nuns and the duns was just like, um, Mike and I were just weeping. Like, that's how good this God is, right? And that's how personal he is, that he put Brian and Karen in our lives for such a time as this, for such a purpose. And we've actually helped a couple people out of Mormonism here locally. <laughs> a couple wow, that is ended so up in their church as well, right? I always send them to Brian when they have questions. So, well, yeah. and that, I mean, and that's really the invitation of the church. It's come experience love, come experience grace. There's no performance required to experience this because that's the definition of grace. You simply get it because of God's love for you. Right. And so just, just come be it. That is so great, Karen. It does my heart so much good. Wherever down there, we'll definitely um, stop in and visit. That's awesome. Um, I'd love to have you. Thanks so much again for being a part of the podcast. What an encouraging story. And, you know, to those that are listening, we hope it's encouraged you. If you're a nun or a dun, then now is your stuff online? Yes. Refuge yeah. Church? Okay. Mm -hmm. So we'll in our, in our show notes, we'll put links to uh, the Refuge Church and where it is. And um, we'll put links to Brian's um, episodes that he did. And I think eventually these are going to be on your church website. Brian's asked me for the links once they're up once the individual links are there. Right. And so we'll have those shared too. So, and they live stream on Facebook every Friday, uh, Saturday night at 5.30. Okay, so we'll put we'll put the link in the note into that too in the show notes also. So, so cool. Well, thank you again, Karen. It's been great to meet you this way and get to know you a little bit. Thanks for sharing your story and for just again, highlighting how great God is, how personal, how he pursues, and how he does work even when we're not even thinking that it can happen. Yes. So Brian's life is an amazing story. And thank you for your candidness. Thank you for your authenticity. You're willing to say, hey, nope, this was me. And I probably a lot of the time wasn't where I needed to be. Right. Um, but God does that. He brings us along. True story. And certainly pushing a spouse often doesn't get you where you need to go, but God knows just how to, just how to do it. Um, grace and peace until next time. So long. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.